Roland Martin Unfiltered continues with the second hour. Thank you for listening. I think what still impacts and what creates change is when we mobilize. When we say we're not powerless, and if I get with you and you and you, and all of a sudden it's 10 to 20 and 100 and 500 and 2,000 and 5,000, all of a sudden you have mobilized people that creates that voting power. And then when you throw somebody out, it catches their attention real quick. But not only just that, they have to know what it is that they're standing for. Because if you have friends that talks politics, then of course we're having a decent conversation and I'm being educated at the same time. But if my group of people are not talking about that, then I still don't know. So I can unite with you. And then I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that you have the voice, but what if you don't have the courage to speak? So you're still getting a group of people together that don't know how to do nothing. Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. Before we knew about COVID-19, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue received classified briefings about the virus. And what did they do next? They downplayed the risks, then invested in body bags. Ten months later, over 10,000 Georgians dead. Kelly Leffler and David Perdue dead wrong. an easy way to save lives and keep Americans safe. It's not politics, it's science. So do your part to protect your fellow citizens and help slow the spread. For your family. For your neighbors. For your country. Wear a mask. Well, y'all, Donald Trump has lost again. Today, the Electoral College met uh, in state capitals all across the country, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have received the 306 electoral college votes that they won by winning a variety of states across the country. It is one of the biggest margins uh, of someone defeating an incumbent president. Trump world's not happy. They still are contesting the election. It does not matter. Now they have this last-ditch effort trying to ask the House of Representatives uh, to cast aside the votes of millions of people. This, this, this is pretty much of a joke. Joseph, uh, it, it really is. But also, it is a grave threat to democracy when you see what Republicans are doing, not just 126 House members, not just these 18 Republican attorney generals, but also uh, these Republicans in the Senate, people who have known Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for a very long time, who, who are so afraid of Donald Trump, they won't even own up to Biden and Harris winning. Well, this is the kind of dysfunction that happens in third world countries, people that don't have an established system of democracy. The problem here, however, is the fact that uh, Republicans love power and they're craving it. And the only person who they think has it or has access to it is Donald Trump. Now, I wonder what's going to happen when he finally leaves office and whether or not this kind of thing goes away. I kind of tend to think it's not going to go away. 
And where does that leave us? It leaves us in basically a party, or rather a country, with one functional party and another party that's looking to undermine democracy. So it's clear, it's been clear since, you know, three weeks after the election that uh, Joe Biden was the, was the winner and that Donald Trump had no clear path to declaring victory, but he figured that he's going to try to make mischief anyway, and it's going to pay off. And to me, there's kind of a through line here between what we saw in D.C. this weekend with the Proud Boys, what we see in Texas, and the fact that uh, the Republican Party has remained silent on all of it. Uh, so I don't think that it's any uh, mystery why these people showed up in Washington, why more people may show up in Washington to contest an election that's been over for almost a month and a half now. <laughs> Teresa, you even have these idiots uh, like Alan West, who now is chair of the Texas Republican Party, saying that people like Texas should secede from the United States. First of all, the red states, y'all... You can't succeed because you're broke. <laughs> Most of the red states get some more money from the federal government and they actually generate themselves. So y'all can't afford it. So shut up. <laughs> At all. I mean, it's a disgrace on so many levels. I mean, democracy is hanging in the balance here because we are seeing, you know, Republicans really try to find themselves in uh, a president that literally has only his self in mind, right? And so it's literally like they're like placing all their bets onto Donald Trump. And when he leaves, they know for sure that their seats are going to be at the balance of people. And that means all of their, you know, back and forth, all their non-agreeing, all their, you know, denying a presidency, the, 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 defying the Constitution of which they say they live by, is all going to go by the wayside. And so it's a very important time. Right now is a very important time in history. Another reason why I'm wearing this American flag, because history is taking place with these runoff races, but it's also showing us where our country needs to go and the type of leadership that needs to be put in to place so we stop electing these traditional politicians that do not have the people in mind, but they have self that is at the forefront of this discussion. Well, the thing here... Julian, that why we this is not a laughing matter. The Wisconsin Supreme Court today ruled against the Trump lawsuit regarding the election. It was a four to three vote. It wasn't seven to zero. Three Republicans, Wisconsin State Supreme Court justices, agreed with the Trump people. I think that's something that we, we cannot overlook that these folks are such partisan hacks. They will ignore the law to advance their interest. Hmm. How do you get more than 100 members, Republican members of Congress, tied on to the Texas um, lawsuit? That's how you get a four to three vote in Wisconsin. The fact that Joseph said these people love power more than they love democracy. Uh, the blessing at the moment is that the Supreme Court even with its three Trump appointees, has not yet been swayed by this nonsense. But the fact is that these folks will do anything to say it. Uh, Julian, sorry, Julian. Julian, your video... 
Julian, your video, your, your, break, your video is breaking up real bad. We're going to try to get that fixed. Um, the, the, the thing here, the thing here, and, and again, in a moment, um, Vice, excuse me, President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, they're going to address the nation at the bottom of the hour. We'll carry it live. But what these people, Joseph, want to do, what, they, what they're trying to do is very dangerous because the reality is they hold power. They are in control of state legislatures. These attorneys generals, what they did, flout the law. And in fact, the Trump folks, they have been able to go to court numerous times, have not been able to present any, any credible evidence of voter fraud. It's what they assert outside of the courtroom, but they know you go in that courtroom and you lie, you can, lo- you can, lo- you can lose your law license, and none of Trump's lawyers will do that. Well, and that's the problem, I think. Somebody needs to pay a penalty for this, uh, for bringing a frivolous lawsuit that could threaten uh, and undermine democracy. Uh, but there, there's also another important point here. I mean, you talked about the Wisconsin uh, judiciary saying that they were not going to accept Trump's uh, lawsuit, that they turned it down. It was not unanimous. Right. And that, to me, reminds me of the fact that they've been salting these judges in the federal bench all four years of Donald Trump's term. Now, it didn't necessarily pay off in the Supreme Court this time around, but certainly the theater courts that that lead judges to get to the Supreme Court are all filled with Trump appointees. And some of them are not qualified to hold the office. It's not just me saying it's the American Bar Association. And it's repeated that they have had people who have descended to the federal bench who are not qualified to do so. They do that for a reason. They're looking for hacks, and those hacks are established. And not only are they established, but they will have some influence for some time to come. Now, that's what worries me about the whole uh, Wisconsin thing, is that, yeah, we had, uh, there were four, it was a 4-3 vote. Three people got defeated by four, but what happens when it comes the other way around? And what happens when some of those people who aren't qualified to hold uh, a judicial uh, office what happens when they do get some of these courts? And also further than that, what happens with the Republican leadership that just says nothing about all of this, that is willing to say, okay, let's let him have this temper tantrum, even though that temper tantrum gradually chips away again and again at the foundation of democracy. And, and the last thing I'll say about that is that you have these people who are threatening to succeed, fine. The South did it 150, 160 years ago, didn't work out so well in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people, um, um, they have no principles. Uh, they have no courage. Uh, they have no integrity. Um, I don't want to hear that law and order crap, Teresa. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I don't want to hear all oh, the founding fathers and we're here to uphold it. No. <laughs> what they have tried to do is to subvert the U.S. Constitution. They have committed treasonous acts and we have to call it what it is. And that's why I believe the only power that Trump really has is the power of the pardon. And so I think everybody right now, those who are um, actively uh, willing his bidding, is ensuring that they are on that forever pardon list because they're not sure what that outcome is going to look like. So protecting themselves and their assets is pretty much the only agenda and the only card that Trump seemingly has to play in this lost election. So um, it looks like, it, it, you know, it, they're really taking it down to the last end. And it's, but it's really unfortunate because the characters of each of these 
justices of whom those uh, they've been appointed and elected. You know, when we say, you know, the elections of judicials matter, they absolutely matter. And it's coming, you know, to the front end of the stage early. So when those appointments were happening and when people were bidding for certain positions and, yes, we were talking about other issues that were happening at the Supreme Court, but we really needed to pay attention to those appointments because these are the type of people that we're getting and the results are going to be treacherous in the long run. But see, I also wonder, I mean, if I can hey, Juliana, I also wonder how, you, how are you going to get the genie back into the bottle, right? I mean, we already have a lot of this stuff that's playing out in public. We've got these unqualified judges that are going to be for, there for a lifetime. We have a Republican Party that has all but pledged fealty to Donald Trump. And we have a QAnon member, like somebody who actually believes that there is this vast global conspiracy out there and that Donald Trump is the only one that's keeping the world from chaos, right? She is now going to Congress. She is going to be a confirmed congresswoman. How do you get the genie back in the bottle? How do you get sanity back in the Republican Party when they're so willing to do insane things just to maintain power? And what is that going to do to the fabric of the country that we've got one party that just has no grounding in reality and the people who may have some tenuous grounding in reality still don't want to say anything because they're afraid of pissing off their voters and losing their safe seat? What happens now? Where do we go from here, I wonder? That's the, yeah, I would probably. Well, I think where we go is there is, let's just be real clear. There is no such thing as Trump's base in the Rep- Republican Party and the Republican Party. Those two things the same thing. are one. There are, no, there, there are no distinctions. The Republican Party as a party has embraced the crazy. They have embraced it for all 126 House members to do what they did to side with that ridiculous lawsuit out of Texas from Attorney General Ken Paxson. That's what I've said. That's what I've said. This is the Republican Party. They are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Well, and I yeah. remember the day that the day after Trump got elected. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Teresa. Uh, well, yeah. uh, one, one, one second. Teresa then Joseph. Yeah, so I mean, part of it is, yes, when when Trump was elected, it was so cavalier. It was, um, you know, very nonchalant. He was surprised when he won. But again, harnessing on the emotions of those of the forgotten, right? And I I think we bring it back to the Democratic Party and the DNC more than often and in so many ways and so many times where we're telling them that these voices need to be at the table as well because you're wondering why you're missing votes, you're missing support. And then wonder why you have to spend more money to galvanize support of which you should have had in the beginning because that education of the process needed to be instituted early on and year round with candidates that, you know, are like Warnock or uh, John uh, Ossoff or a Stacey Abrams. Not later in the game when there's an issue and there's a crisis that needs to be handled, but somewhere in the middle of that rebuilding structure where leadership is actually taking place. So, you know, Joseph asks where we go from here, and I think as we go back at the top, when it comes to restructuring with those measures of uh, applicants and, and the constant communication, not just election season, but what does that look like across every front? Well, that's the Julian, thing. These folks wonder- are not going anywhere. Hold, 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 hold. I'm sorry, Joseph, go ahead. Joseph, go ahead and go, Julian. Joseph, go ahead. You're absolutely right. They're not going anywhere. And that is the concern. What happens now? 
What does the Democratic Party do now? It's clearly not an argument about economic anxiety. That's out the window. We have hundreds of people in downtown Washington beating people up, tearing down Black Lives Matter posters. We've got them marching to the beat of the president. What happens? How can you convert? How can you controvert that? How can, how does that remain in a viable democracy? Julian, they're not going anywhere. And I have been telling people since 2009, I said, we, I, I mean, I've, I've signed a book deal with Ben Bella, an independent company out of Dallas, uh, to publish this book. It will, it will publish in um, uh, uh, first quarter 2022. It's called White Fear. I said, we're living in the age of white minority resistance. That was 11 years ago. And all we've seen in the last 11 years are these white folks losing their mind? And I'm telling you, they cannot handle losing. They cannot handle not being in the majority. They cannot handle having to share power. And so those of us who believe in freedom and equality had better gird ourselves for a battle, not over the next year, two years, three years, four no, years. No, no. Right. We're about to see the next 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. It's a multi-decade struggle, Roland, just as the post-Reconstruction era was a multi-decade struggle, just like the Civil Rights era is a multi-decade struggle. These white folks are angry. They're seeing their power shift beneath their feet every minute. You've seen people, white people write about it, you know, white rage. Uh, we've seen, you know, black people write about it. But the reality is that the numbers, you can't lie with numbers. By 2050, our nation will be majority minority. Period. Get over it, y'all. That's what's going to be. You have people who say they have diversity fatigue. Well, you know what? You could have diversity fatigue just like you have sunrise fatigue. See, sun go up, sun come down, sun go up, sun come down. You tired of it? Oh, well, take a rest because it's going to keep happening. And that's what's happening now. We're seeing it in any number of ways. And we see it with the resistance. Just um, last week, there was a motion on the Senate floor to create a National Museum uh, on the history of the Latino. Mike Lee, uh, senator from Utah, scratched it. He said it was divisive to talk about the history of Latino. Hell, excuse my language, but hell, we took... Mexico and turned it into California. Mexico and turned it into Texas. And then this dude does not want to talk about the history of Latino. So no, these people are hot monkey mad, but they've been mad, quite frankly, Roland, since the end of enslavement. And they put every block that they could out there. And just all of a sudden now, we're getting the numbers to say, oh no, y'all, this ain't happening. Had the Obama president say, you were absolutely yep. right when you called that in nine. The, the Obama presidency ticked them off badly enough that they get back against Hillary and uh, went for the orange right. boy. And uh, now you have mild-mannered Biden, who is a transitional figure, uh, who many people voted for because he is a transitional figure, but he has at least, I'm not thrilled with his cabinet picks, but he has at least talked the diversity walk. And that is making a whole lot of white people a whole lot of bad. Yep, absolutely. Gotta go to a break. We come back. 
after today's electoral college vote. That is next on Global Market Watch. Trump can show up and say anything, and they can just go, oh, yeah. The African-American community was great to us. They didn't vote. You know, he just called you stupid. Did you hear that? Oh, 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 but he's for us. Really? And they were just regurgitating the things that they had heard on a radio or in the barbershop or something somebody had told them. They hadn't thought about it. Democracy is uh, in danger because people don't know how to think. I'm done. We try to convince people to try to vote for their, you know, for their for their life. You have to run for your life. I'm going to go try to get people who are open to it and, and they can believe them. I'm done with hope. Fuck hope. Bye. There's a lot of stuff to do this time of year. Get the tree. Done. Hang the lights. Not yet. Wrap presents. Check. But this year, there's one extra thing to do. Vote. That's right. Early voting starts December 14th, so make voting part of your holiday plans. It'll probably take you less time than it'll take me to do this. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message. My opponent, radical liberal Raphael Warnock. I memorized everything they told me to say. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock just married a really rich guy. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. My husband bought my Senate seat. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock.
Welcome back to Robert Martin Unfiltered, Vice President of uh, Joe Biden. Uh, he, of course, uh, is um, uh, about to address uh, the nation, and so we're going to actually uh, go uh, in a second uh, live to that. So let me just go ahead and get that, uh, get that set up. Of course, uh, the Electoral College made their decision today, uh, and uh, again, he is indeed president. All right, so let's go ahead and go to Joe Biden's speech. Go ahead. Tally a landslide. By his own standards, these numbers represented a clear victory then, and I respectfully suggest they do so now. If anyone didn't know before, they know now. What beats deep in the hearts of the American people is this democracy, the right to be heard, to have your vote counted, to choose leaders of this nation, to govern ourselves. In America, politicians don't take power. People grant power to them. The flame of democracy was lit in this nation a long time ago. We now know nothing, not even a pandemic or an abuse of power, can extinguish that flame. And as the people kept it aflame, so too did courageous state and local officials and election workers. American democracy works because America makes it work at a local level. One of the extraordinary things we saw this year was that everyday Americans, our friends and our neighbors, off independence, demonstrating average, they showed a deep and unwavering faith in and a commitment to the law. They did their duty in the face of a pandemic. And then they could not and would not give credence to what they knew was not true. They knew this election was overseen, was overseen by them. It was honest, it was free, and it was fair. They saw it with their own eyes. And they wouldn't be bullied into saying anything different. It was truly remarkable because so many of these patriotic Americans are subject to so much enormous political pressure, verbal abuse and even threats of physical violence. But we all wish that our fellow Americans in these positions will always show such courage and commitment to free and fair elections. It is my sincere hope we never again see anyone subjected to the kind of threats and abuse we saw in this election. It's simply unconscionable. We owe these public servants a debt of gratitude. They didn't seek the spotlight. You know, and our democracy survived because of them, which is proof once more that it's everyday Americans infused with honor, character, and decency that is the heart of this nation. You know, in this election, their integrity was matched by their strength, independence, and the integrity of our judicial system. In America, when questions are raised about the legitimacy of any election, those questions are resolved through the legal processes. And that's precisely what happened here. The Trump campaign brought, brought dozens and dozens and dozens of legal challenges to test the result. They were heard again and again. And each of the times they were heard, they were found to be without merit. Time and again, President Trump's lawyers presented arguments to state officials, state legislatures, state and federal courts and ultimately to the United States Supreme Court twice. 
They're heard by more than 80 judges across this country. And in every case, no cause or evidence was found to reverse or question or dispute the results. A few states went for recounts. All the counts were confirmed. Results in Georgia were counted three times. <laughs> Didn't change the outcome. The recount conducted in Wisconsin actually saw our margin grow. The margin we had in Michigan was 14 times the margin President Trump won that state by four years ago. Our margin in Pennsylvania was nearly twice the size of the Trump margin four years ago. <clears throat> and yet, none of this has stopped baseless claims about the legitimacy of the results. Mm. Even more stunning, 17 Republican attorneys general and 126 Republican members of the, members of the Congress actually, they actually signed on to a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas. That lawsuit asked the United States Supreme Court to reject the certified vote counts in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. This legal maneuver was an effort by elected officials and one group of states to try to get the Supreme Court to wipe out the votes of more than 20 million Americans in other states and to hand the presidency to a candidate who lost the Electoral College, lost the popular vote, and lost each and every one of the states whose votes they were trying to reverse. It's a position so extreme, we've never seen it before. A position that refused to respect the will of the people, refused to respect the rule of law, and refused to honor our Constitution. Thankfully, a unanimous Supreme Court immediately and completely rejected this effort. <laughs> the court sent a clear signal to President Trump that they would be no part of an unprecedented assault on our democracy. Every single avenue was made available to President Trump to contest the results. He took full advantage of each and every one of those avenues. President Trump was denied no course of action he wanted to take. He took his case to Republican governors and Republican Secretary of State, as he criticized many of them, to Republican state legislatures, to Republican-appointed judges at every level. And in a case decided after the Supreme Court's latest rejection, a judge appointed by President Trump wrote, wrote, quote, this court has allowed the plaintiff the chance to make his case, and he has lost on the merits. End mm. of quote. Lost on the merits. Even President Trump's own cybersecurity chief, overseeing our elections, said it was the most secure election in American history. <laughs> and summarily was let go. Let me say it again. His own cybersecurity chief, overseeing this election, said it was the most secure in American history. You know, respecting the will of the people is at the heart of our democracy. Even when we find those results hard to accept, but that's the obligation of those who have taken on a sworn duty to uphold the Constitution. Four years ago, when I was a sitting vice president of the United States, it was my responsibility to announce the tally of the Electoral College votes in the joint session of Congress that voted to elect Donald Trump. I did my job. And I'm pleased, but not surprised, by the number of my former Republican colleagues in the Senate who have acknowledged already the results of the Electoral College. I thank them, and I'm convinced we can work together for the good of the nation 
on many subjects. That's the duty owed to the people, to our Constitution, to our history. You know, in this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed. We, the people, voted. Faith in our institutions held. The integrity of our elections remains intact. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. As I said in this campaign, I will be president for all Americans. I'll work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as I will for those who did. There's urgent work in front of us, getting this pandemic under control and getting the nation vaccinated against this virus, delivering immediate economic help so badly needed by so many Americans who are hurting today, and then building our economy back better than it ever was. In doing so, we need to work together to give each other a chance to lower the temperature. And most of all, we need to stand in solidarity as fellow Americans, to see each other, our pain, our struggles, our hopes, and our dreams. We're a great nation. We're good people. We may come from different places, hold different beliefs. We share in common a love for this country, a belief in its limitless possibilities. For we, the United States of America, has always set the example for the world for a peaceful transition of power. <clears throat> we'll do so again. I know the task before us won't be easy. It's tempered by the pain so many of us are feeling. Today, our nation passed a grim milestone. 300,000 deaths to do this COVID virus. My heart goes out to each of you in this dark winter of the pandemic. About to spend the holidays and the new year with a black hole in your hearts, without the ones you loved at your side. My heart goes out to all of you who have fallen on hard times through no fault of your own, unable to sleep at night, staring at the ceiling, and weighed down by the worry of what tomorrow will bring for you and equally important for your family. But we've faced difficult times before in our history. I know we'll get through this one together. That's how we get through it together. So as we start the hard work to be done, may this moment give us the strength to rebuild this house of ours upon a rock that can never be washed away. As in the prayer of St. Francis, for where there is discord, union, where there is doubt, faith, where there is darkness, light. This is who we are as a nation. This is the America we love, and that is the America we're going to be. So thank you all. May God bless you, and may God protect our troops and all those who stand watch over our democracy. Thank you. Folks, that was, folks, that was President-elect Joe Biden speaking from Wilmington, Delaware, where after today in Electoral College, uh, met in state capitals across the country and where he received 306 electoral college votes. Man, uh, Teresa, what <laughs> it's like to have a president give a speech that's presidential. Mm. <laughs> Refreshing. Invigorating. All the adjectives that is necessary for our leadership in this country in order to move forward. 
I mean, you know, you talked about the soul of the nation. You talked about his plan of moving forward. It was very clear, concise, and on point. And this is the time that we need it. We are moving into another phase in this country where we are talking about fixing the problems that we've all had to endure in the last uh, three years, four years, really, um, since Donald Trump was elected, but also identifying some of those fears and some of those issues and also providing solutions. And that's why I think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris comes into play where leadership, if we didn't notice it before, this is the time we're really going to notice it. So it was just very refreshing just to see a president that is willing and able to articulate what it is he's going to do <laughs> and how he's going to scale back the unnecessariness of um, the Trump administration. Julian, you heard uh, uh, President-elect Joe Biden talk about surpassing 300 thousand COVID-19 deaths in the United States. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Pfizer um, uh, the Pfizer uh, vaccine uh, rolled out from uh, various places on yesterday. We've seen folks uh, being administered uh, the uh, this particular vaccine. I mean, it, 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 it shows you, again, um, just, just, just the stark difference in listening to Trump and his minions and listening to professional, qualified, smart, dignified, sobering voices. And I think come January 20th, you're going to see a completely different governmental reaction than the absolute shit show we've seen uh, since uh, January in this country. You know, Joe Biden comes to the table calm, moderate, um, there, there are no antics in his toolbox. We have been, had four years worth of antics. We've had tantrums. We've had name calling. We've had nonsense. Now we have a grown, mature man who comes to us. And it's, it's a shame that you have to call, say that the president is grown and mature because the president should always be grown and mature. But we haven't had that. We've got someone who comes, he speaks calmly. He talks about pulling people together. He talks about uh, what needs to happen. He's aware of the coronavirus in a way that the previous one was not. But it's not just the coronavirus. He's aware about the hundreds of thousands of people who are not eating, uh, who may be evicted, and his tone and tenor are empathetic to that. So this is, as, as Teresa, this is so refreshing to see. It's just so refreshing to see. And at the same time, uh, this man is going to need support. Within the Democratic Party, there are a lot of differences. Uh, young people have not seen anyone like them on the cabinet. Where's Buttigieg? Uh, progressive people have not seen anyone like them on the cabinet. And Biden not only has to be grown, mature, calm, and moderate, but he has to also bring all these wings of the party together. Well, uh, it is, um, look, expect more antics. E expect uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. crazy, deranged uh, Trump folks to do stu some stupid stuff. You heard what Carl Racine, the uh, AG for the District of Columbia, you heard what he actually had to say. Um, and, and I think uh, that's what we can expect. I, I think, look, look, he he's a loser. He's a sore loser. 
Um, he can't accept the fact that he actually got beat. He lost the popular vote uh, twice. Uh, now he can't accept his electoral college defeat. Uh, and so Donald Trump is who exactly who we thought he was. Who he, who he if, you elect a clown, you're and, if you elect a clown, expect a circus. I think this goes even further. I think that we've certainly elected a clown, but no one thought the entire Republican Party apparatus would right. be a part of the clown show. Right. Yep. And, and that, you Tracy, know, that
certainly some sad news. We lost uh, two uh, cultural icons over the weekend. First up, uh, country music legend Charlie Pride died at the age of 86 uh, from COVID-related uh, illness. Um, he, of course, died uh, at his home, longtime home, in Dallas. Uh, he was a country music star who broke many barriers. In 2000, Pride was the first black artist inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. In 1971, became the first black performer to win the CMA's coveted Entertainer of the Year between 1969 and 1983. Charlie Pride amassed 29 number one Billboard country singles and became the first black uh, act to win a Grammy in a country category. Of course, which was Best Male Country Vocal Performance for his 1971 album, Charlie Pride Sings Heart Songs. He leaves behind his wife, uh, Rosine, uh, as well as their three children. He also, folks lost to COVID, an, an actress, uh, 76 year old, um, Carol Sutton. Many of us remember her, of course, from Still Magnolias, Queen Sugar, and Lovecraft Country. New Orleans Mayor uh, Tonya, Latonia Contrell spoke highly of Sutton in a tweet stating, quote, Carol Sutton was practically the queen of New Orleans theater, having graced the stages across the city for decades. Smith Sutton leaves her two children, Archie and Anya. Folks, that is it for us. I want to thank um, uh, I want to thank Teresa. I want to thank Julian and Joseph Williams as well for joining us. Uh, of course, uh, we are here in Atlanta, Georgia, covering the Georgia Senate uh, runoff race. Uh, it is it has been uh, quite uh, the busy uh, time for us uh, here in Atlanta. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, we'll be uh, at the um, rally of uh, Joe Biden. He, of course, is going to be coming to town tomorrow, uh, and he is going to be um, here, um, you know, uh, again, uh, campaigning on behalf of Raphael Warnock as well as uh, John Ossoff. Uh, we have, uh, you know, again, you know, what we've done is, folks, uh, trying to bring you the kind of information that's necessary uh, to uh, what's going on here and, and really being on the ground. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to have folks uh, who uh, are talking about this, just sitting in studios. We want to be able to cover uh, the necessary uh, things for you. This is some video here on my iPhone shot uh, of uh, us uh, being out there at the Osoff uh, Warner Warnock rally today uh, that took place uh, at Turner Field. And uh, if you want to actually see that particular rally, uh, all you got to do is just simply go to uh, our YouTube channel and you'll actually see uh, that full rally as well. And so again, today we had uh, Warnock and Andrew Young at the, at the voting booth, and we, of course we had the Osoff rally in Gwinnett County, and then of course we had that rally. So tomorrow, and look for us uh, to be live streaming, live streaming the, uh, the rally uh, of uh, Joe Biden coming to Georgia, a state that he won to campaign on behalf of John Osoff and Raphael Warnock. Folks, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, we appreciate all of your support. Your dollars make it possible for us to do um, we, you know, for us to be able to put on this production, to do this kind uh, of show. To lo look, let's be real clear. We aren't seeing a lot of all these other black media people out here on the ground covering this like we are. That's why Roland Martin Unfiltered needs your support. Uh, you can support us via cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. Of course, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You also, of course, you can support us via Zelle. Roland at RolandSMartin.com. You can also send us a money order to New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. 
we are close to our goal of having 20,000 of you become members of our Brain the Funk fan club. Our goal is to have 20,000 of our supporters. There should be a minimum of 50 bucks each, uh, of course, which comes out to be a million dollars. Uh, that's $4.19 a month, $0.13 cents a day. And again, there's some people who can't afford that, but people are getting less. We appreciate that. $25.10.5, as little as a dollar. And then, of course, we get people give a lot more than that. We thank all of you for giving above and beyond that $50. Some of you have given $500,000, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, one $30,000 because they believe in the mission of Robert Martin Unfiltered. And that is for us to be able to have uh, a news source that speaks to our issues, our concerns, and being completely unapologetic. And that's why it is called Robert Martin Unfiltered. So please support what we do. Uh, none of this stuff uh, is free. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, it makes a huge difference for us to be able to tell our story where we control the narrative and we're getting the unvarnished truth when it comes to these issues. And so, again, please support us. Uh, again, if you're on YouTube, you can give right there on YouTube. You can also give on Facebook as well. And so a lot of y'all been watching for free. Look, I totally understand. Uh, there are some people, a lot of people are having uh, very difficult times. But if you can support us, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, if all right, folks, uh, that is it for me. We're going to get some rest. Long day today, long day tomorrow uh, as we continue our coverage around the clock of the Georgia Senate runoff. Uh, I'm Bowen Martin signing off from Atlanta. I'll see you tomorrow. Power! <laughs>